Dublin's Talking Sport with Ken Doherty and Reggie Corrigan. Sponsored by insuremycars.ie, low-cost car insurance specialists. See how much you can save at insuremycars.ie. On Sunshine 106.8. Sunshine 106.8. Sunshine 106.8 Dublin's Talking Sports Welcome to Dublin's Talking Sports Podcast with me, Ken Doherty, and my good friend, Reggie Corrigan. Thanks for tuning in to catch up on the latest GAA, football, rugby, and all the crack. Enjoy the show, and don't forget, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, Rich. Welcome back. Ah, it's great to be back. Yeah, I, I got off the plane uh, yesterday evening. It was absolutely lashing. I left 31 degrees behind me, got off the plane in Dublin to lashing rain. Everybody getting off in shorts, frozen in shorts and T-shirts, trying to find jackets, scrambling for bits of cover. It was, uh, oh my God, what happened while I was away is unreal. I know, I know. You've been enjoying the golf. I have been enjoying the golf. Yeah, um, I was enjoy- enjoyed last week. I mean that that seventeen eighteen uh, by Rory was unbelievable. Two birdies. Uh, I felt so sorry for um, McIntyre. Was it that was? Uh, yeah, I felt so sorry for him. Imagine sitting in the clubhouse there praying that he has a bogey and he sinks two birdies. Some play yeah, by him. That orange into the last was amazing, wasn't it? Absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of shot I hit regularly by accident. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Would that be your tenth shot? You know. It's yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, a, a, a complete fluke. But yeah, no, he's playing something else. But not going quite so well this week. No, a little bit disappointing for him. Uh, it's very hard to win back to back, isn't it? You mm. know, and even though you'd be coming in with a lot of confidence after last week, but it hasn't really happened for him. Uh, he hasn't made it enough boardies or get himself into positions. But he's still like hit, driving the ball amazing. Well, it's just. You know, getting into those positions on the grid. It's a tough golf course. Absolutely. I mean, apart from Harman, who shot a wonderful 65 yesterday, uh, you know, the, the field would have been well bunched up. You know, Tommy Fleet would have been well there, Jason Day. Uh, Jordan Speed was doing well for a while, dropped a few yesterday. But, uh, yeah, Rory, you'd expect him to be up there. Even Scotty Scheffler as well. You know, just, uh, is he plus one or something like that? So he, he hasn't done that well either. So, uh, Harman sort of split the field completely but the still he still believes he's in it he does high, even though he's nine behind you know if he can shoot three or four under today and go into Sunday with just a few behind well then he, he would be well in it but he has it he has it to do yeah, I, I, I was reading uh, what he was saying this morning. He's like, he said it's not out of my hands. It's no. exactly what he feels. And if he can get sort of between three, four, even five under going into Sunday, he's got a really good chance. And as you said, it is an unbelievably difficult golf course. Those bunkers are they're on a different level altogether, you know, trying yeah, to try to get out. I mean, if you and I played in that rough week... We could lose our clubs in there. <laughs> <laughs> you get lost full stop. Never mind the clubs. I'd never find you back in there. <laughs> so uh, now it is. It is brutal. And if the wind blows, I mean, they've had like decent days. Like if it gets a bit of rain or the wind really gets up, then it'll be even tougher. It'll be very, very difficult to make any boardies there. But uh, yeah, it should be really interesting. The last, you know, the, the weekend is great. And particularly on the Sunday, the Open. The crowds have been fantastic. Yeah. Disappointing for Larry, uh, not there. You know, he shot 77 yesterday, which would be very disappointing with former champion, of course, and would have been nice for him to be in there the weekend. But 
he'll have to watch it on the television. But uh, Harrington's made it. He's unbelievable, isn't he, Parik? Yeah, the way he keeps going incredible, along. Incredible, you know. Absolutely incredible, is right. But uh, and Power was a bit disappointed as well. I think he mm. felt there was a good chance with that. I wonder, is it, like, what's the story with the Ryder Cup? Is he going to be there, thereabouts? Do you think Harrington Power he could be? Oh, Power, yeah. Well, I think Harrington uh, could be a, a, an unusual pick for the for the team as well for Luke Donald. Think uh, so. Why not? You know, he brings a lot of experience. He's mm. been playing very consistent. He'd be good in the foursome. Uh, and uh, the four balls, I think maybe you know, he's just got a wealth of experience. He's playing very consistently, yeah. so uh, why not? Yeah, well, I'm going to be talking to golf uh, expert Dennis Kerwin uh, a little bit later yeah. on in the show as well. So I'll maybe put that to him and see what the thoughts are on that. Uh, yeah, but there's plenty to watch on that. Looking forward to to, to seeing a bit yeah. more of it. There's loads going on this weekend, but um, yeah, I, I watched on. Thir- as well, I know you mentioned it at the top of the show. I watched the match. Yeah. Uh, against Australia they played so well oh know? they did yeah. okay they didn't care about too many chances but they played in front of 75,000 you know against the home nation and you know only go down to a penalty uh, was such a great challenge you know they were a bit unlucky really could they have were. got ahead at the last minute Yes, uh, Quinn nearly got on the end yeah, of that one. Yeah, I, I watched yeah, the game myself, um, yeah. and it, it was like you no, know, it wasn't the most exciting, exciting game. Let's be honest; the, the, yeah. you know there was they, they didn't have that many chances, but there was a few. The penalty was unfortunate, yeah. really unfortunate. Yeah. I thought Abby Larkin did amazing um, when she came on, and it has to be pushing for a starting place. Now there's no question about it. coming over the East Link here this morning. The place yeah. is absolutely decked out everywhere is with flags. Really? Oh, it's unbelievable! It's like oh, you know, really. it's back back. To the old Jack Charlton days, yeah. there's bunting <laughs> everywhere. There's flags everywhere. The place looks amazing, even in the rain. Um, and the support is unbelievable. So the whole of Rings End and all down around there is completely covered Black in flags yeah. and bunting. Black so, but uh, I thought she did amazing when she came on. Like really yeah. injected some pace on that right wing, going down there the whole time, getting some good crosses in, and yeah. uh, they had a really good chance. They, I mean, they had a couple of good chances from corners as well, didn't they? I mean, they got you know four or five corners there in quick succession yeah. you know towards the end of that second half and you know could have scored from one or two of them and uh, yeah but as you said when Canada and Nigeria drew yeah. uh, you know it's left it the the, uh, the group wide open they've got the big match against Canada now which would be another tough one but, yeah. you know if they can get a draw you know two or three points might be enough if, if Australia win all their matches so uh they didn't look outclassed at all. No, not I, 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 not no, I mean, as I said, the penalty was just unfortunate, and then didn't really think Australia had that many chances. Other than that, you know, I mean, we were on a par with them the whole way, and and I think that result that draws huge for us because I, I think everybody thought Canada would probably get that result and yeah. they'd be under a lot more pressure. But that's a huge result for us, so. You never know a draw and maybe a win. Absolutely, it opens it opens up the uh, that group now. So yeah. if you can put in a good showing against Canada, even a draw. Yeah. Maybe beat Nigeria in the last match. Yeah. You never know. You never know. Yeah, it's been exciting. It's been some amazing football in it uh, all the way through already. Yeah. Uh, there's great interest, and in it. it looks like it's going to be a cracking competition. Yeah, it will be America. You know, you've got Spain playing well. Uh, England, of course, they're up against. Uh, 80 to this morning uh, they'll be big favourites as well so yeah it's, it's, it's exciting it's, it's great to watch them. it's uh, it's wonderful that Ireland are involved as well great crowds out there you know the old fields of Baton Roy were, were being battled there <laughs> you know it was great to hear you know yeah. 
towards the end of the match it was, yeah it's very very good absolutely yeah there's no doubt about it. it does indeed there's been some uh, there's a lot of transfer stuff going on at the minute isn't there Harry Kane and all this talk and Henderson yeah. but there's a lot of players heading sort of Middle Eastern heading direction down, yeah. isn't it it's, it's, it's kind of it's messing things up a lot though isn't it, it like is, for yeah. the Premier Jordan Henderson from Liverpool he's yeah. the latest Fabinho might be going Jordan Henderson's gone for 12 million but his wages this is give you an idea of what they're looking at is his wages gone from 140 a week at Liverpool to 700 a week in Saudi yeah. for three years I was just Not thinking average. about it when I was looking reading about all of these different you know, people and the talk and where they're going and the Premier League must be starting to get very worried because look at Live Golf and look at everything else yeah. that's been going on with all that Saudi money they must be starting to get very very worried very very worried I'd say you know you see a lot of the the players I see Mitrovic now refusing to play for Fulham who's, who's had a wonderful couple of seasons there you know really good top goal scorer he wants to go there he doesn't want to play for Fulham anymore because being you know his, his head is being torn by Saudi but yeah a lot of players going there uh, and uh, taking the money and they must be they must be worried it must be a concern well, it'd have to be. I mean, if they started, like, if they were serious about launching a, a counter league, uh, compared, like, similar to what Liv did with the golf, mm. um, you, you know, they're, they're, you can't see, like, and it's not just the Premier League, La Liga, uh, you know, all the, all the Serie A, all the other play, leagues must be thinking that way too. The Bundesliga, they have to be thinking that way. All their top players could be getting drawn away to a, imagine, like, a Super League, and they could afford to, to create one, like, you know, um, mm. it, it, like. <laughs> It's a serious concern, I, I, and I haven't heard too much talk about it. No. But like, I think there's been it has been flagged. Yeah, uh, well, you know, you you'd be worried with so much money being offered, you mm. know, uh, to these guys. I mean, it's a lot of guys who are coming to the end of their their career, you know. So, you know, it's not it wouldn't be as cut and trust as the, as the Premiership or La Liga. Yeah. or even uh, the Bundesliga, you know. But as as it sort of builds up and it gets a little bit more sort of uh, snowballs a bit, and more players will be attracted and players who are they're not coming to the end. They've still got quite a good bit of years left in their legs. Yeah, like the golf. I mean, you know, when, when Smith went over, I mean, at the beginning of the golf, it was DJ and the likes of those guys who were, as you said, just taking the money and running. Yeah, Pilter, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, now it's kind of the young guys are in it, and now, and now obviously they've come together again and um, amalgamated to a degree. Uh, yeah, yeah, but definitely think, and now I know the Premier League is, is a massive you know, and and then maybe maybe the Saudis will just be more interested in buying their own clubs and just doing what they've been doing with the likes of Newcastle and City and that. So maybe mm. that might be the route that it takes. Um, but there's definitely interesting times ahead for for football. And Harry Kane going to where's he going? Bayern, Bayern or somewhere? Is Bayern. it? Bayern. Yeah, it looks like he might go to Bayern. Might he might even see out his contract. He's got one year left of his contract. I think it'd be a bad move though. I mean, I don't know what you feel about it, but. I, you know, he's close to Alan Shearer's record, 34 goals. I think he's got to get in the Premiership to overtake him. He's the English captain. I think if he went to Bayern, I mean, what's the point? They've, yeah. won, the, they've won the league 11 times in a row. He's, OK, he'd be in Champions League and stuff like that, but I just think it'd be a bad mail for him, you know? I think so too. Get him to annoy you. It's time to turn our attention to uh, golf now. I'm delighted to be joined with thanks to Halpenny Golf by Dennis Kerwin uh, to review the Open as it stands. Good morning, Dennis. How are you? 
Good morning, Reggie. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Very well indeed. I enjoyed last week tremendously looking at Rory uh, as he <laughs> performed miracles on 17 and 18 to get that win. As I was saying to, to Ken, I felt uh, very sorry for McIntyre as he sat in the clubhouse and watched Rory produce that magical shot on 18. But uh, not quite so magical this time around, but uh, still, still in it. Yeah, he definitely is. There's no doubt about it, Reggie. I mean, he's one under par. And, uh, you know, the the amazing thing, like, there's only four shots between him and Tommy Cleetwood in second place. But obviously, Brian Harmon has, has just uh, gone on the rip for the last two days. And uh, what he's produced is, is has, has been really something special. And it's interesting you mentioned Rory, Reggie, because when Rory won the Open here in 2014 in High Lake, his only Open, he shot two 266s on the opening day for a 10 under par total. Uh, to lead it halfway and that was a record aggregate of 132 for an open championship he tied that and the previous record holder had been Tiger Woods in Hoylake in 2006 who shot 67-65 over the first couple of days so it's interesting that the two halfway leaders of the last two wins at Hoylake were 10 under par and Brian Harmon has just gone out and done that now so uh, obviously you know it'll be interesting to see if he can keep it up but he'll be hard caught and I think at this stage Reggie if, if if somebody offered him two uh, level power rounds of 71 and take his chances, I'd say he'd tackle first. Absolutely, especially in a course this difficult. Royal Liverpool this time, of course, uh, for the golf. Bunkers like we've never seen. I've even seen um, some comments by a few of the players saying that they're they're almost unplayable, that they're, they shouldn't even be allowed. You're playing up against a, sort of a, a cliff face almost at times. Um, is it too much? Yeah, well, like bunkers are bunkers are there to be avoided. To be honest with you, and, and you know, links courses don't have a huge amount of defence, and one of the defences that they do have is is, is, is well positioned and strategic bunkers, as well as course of the, as the wind and the rain. Mm. They're they're its principal protection. But yeah, in some cases, perhaps they had a point because you know, if you go into a bunker and you normally see with most bunkers, there you know there is a kind of a a concave piece of sand between the wall and the actual sand to allow the ball to fall back into the bunker. But these bu- these bunkers, and particularly the one in 18 that Rory got tangled up in on Thursday night, Reggie, he, he basically went in and it was, he was directly underneath the wall of the bunker. So there was absolutely no escape from it. And you can rack up a huge number there, you know, and um, you know, it, it could derail a challenge fairly quickly. So I think I think what they did was they, they basically put a little bit more sand in the bunkers and they're raking them slightly differently hmm. to try and, you know, give them a little bit of relief from that. But there's no doubt about it. I mean, they're best avoided. Yeah, well, yeah, that that that's um, that's that's the the motto I try and live by, but it doesn't always work out that way. But when you get into them, you'd like to have a chance to get out of them. So uh, maybe maybe this time it'll be uh, it'll be slightly different. Just looking at Park as well, made the cut again. He's playing incredible golf at the moment, considering he he is now on the seniors tour as well. He just consistency is unbelievable. Uh, he is. He's, he's just an extraordinary man. I mean, he, he's played in three majors this season, Reggie. And, mm. you know, he's, he's, he's kicking the pants off 52. He's, he's 52 at the end of next month. And uh, playing some of the best golf of his life. I and mean, he's hitting the ball mild. Mm. And he's, he's actually keeping up with the, with the younger lads. And I think that's the challenge for Porrick. He loves to, you know, he, he loves to basically, I, I think, confound people is the, probably the best word. And, you know, to, to have made the cut in three consecutive majors is just phenomenal at this age and I mean he really grounded out yesterday he mm. had a one under back nine in order to make the cut on the mark and uh, it's, it's, it's hugely impressive but you know he, he's got top tens on both the on all tours this year he's top tens in, in the 
He, he was the top 10 in the Valero Texas Open on the PGA Tour. He had a top 10 uh, fourth place finish in the Abu Dhabi Championship on the DP World Tour. And obviously he's winning for sport on the, on the seniors tour at the moment. So to have top 10 in all three different tours, I mean, the guy is a legend. He's one of my all-time favourite sporting uh, icons. And he's just, he's just extraordinary. There's nothing that Padre can't do. And you just wouldn't put it past him. Uh, winning a, a European Tour event even in, in his 50s. And I think he's going to re- you know, redesign his schedule to try and play a little bit more uh, on the on the main tours to try and give himself a chance, Reggie, of perhaps catching the eye of Luke Donald and get a Ryder Cup pick. And uh, I, I, you know, I'd love to see him play in the Ryder Cup team. And, and I think there's a few you know, likely pairings there, most notably with Shane Lowry. I think they'd make a great Ryder Cup pairing. So perhaps he might force his way onto that team. It'd be great to see that. Yeah, I was talking to Ken about that earlier on. Um, I suppose at the beginning of the season that wouldn't have been something that many people would have held out much hope for. Um, you know, Seamus Power and Lowry and Darren Clark as well, of course, they didn't make the cut in, in the Open, but they're, they're obviously eyeing it as well. But is it realistic to think that Harrington could be one of the picks? I think it's odds against. I definitely think it's odds against. It very much depends on what he does over the next few weeks. You know, there's a lot of good, strong talent. And, I mean, you, you just look at the leaderboard. I mean, it's very much a licorice all-sorts leaderboard, Reggie, uh, mm. at the Open. But the likes of Sepp Strecke, he's an Austrian. He's in third place. Had a brilliant uh, round yesterday. and one of, one of the great back nines. In fact, just looking at it, he had six birdies on the 31 back nine yesterday. Yeah. But this guy can really play. And, you know, you have a lot of other players. You've obviously liked the likes of Robert McIntyre, who, as you say, it, it was tough for him last week. Rory literally uh, took... You know, took the rug from under his feet with those two late birdies. Extraordinary performance by McElroy. But you kind of felt sorry for Rob McIntyre. It would have been life-changing for him. And then you have a lot of good other young European players coming through, like the high guards. And you have Aaron Rye, who's a, an English guy who's been playing on the PGA Tour uh, with great success over the last few years. So, you know, a couple of the older guys there are going to be in the mix as well, like Justin Rose will probably Select, be selected. So, uh, I, I, I'd have to say the Harrington will probably have to do something notable over the coming weeks to force his way into the team. But uh, look, I, I could tell you they could do an awful, an awful lot worse, Reggie, than pick him. Absolutely. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed on that. Okay, just looking at the Open because obviously we've got uh, two fantastic days ahead of us. As you said, Harmon ten under. He's he's ahead of Tommy Fleetwood on five under and, and Straka, as you mentioned there as well, four under. There's very little then between all the rest of them and Rory right there in the mix at at one under. So if Harmon was to have a bad day in those bunkers or something like that was to go wrong with the weather and everything else it could fall back and then it's still all on um, who else would you be looking at there uh, judging on form uh, that might be a serious challenge to Harmon if he were to fall away yeah you're right I mean you know four shots um, it, you know he, he's got a five shot lead over Tommy Fleetwood mm. and six over Strike and seven over a group of players I mean he, he's He's got a cushion, but it's not a huge cushion. I mean, Padre came from six back to beat Sergio Garcia in Carnoustie in 2007. And we all know that um, now things were very, very different because John Vandeveld uh, had a famous collapse in uh, in Carnoustie in 1999. That's right. And, and, and Paul Laurie came from 10 shots back to beat him. And that was on the final day. So mm. five shot lead at halfway is not huge. But, you know, a couple of things, like Harmon is... is He's 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 a seasoned pro. He's won a couple of times 
on the on the PGA Tour. He won a John Deere Classic back in 2014. He won a, a Wells Fargo in 2017. Like he, he's no mug. He's two top tens in majors. He was tied second at the Open in the US Open in 2017. And he, he actually was tied sixth at the Open at St. Andrews last year. And he's three top tens at the Players' Championship. So, he, he you know, he's a very, very good player. He's a, a distinguished amateur. who was on two Walker Cup teams. This guy has loads of experience. And it's interesting. He's a left-hander for... I, you know, for 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 the for, for the lefties among you, I mean, mm. it's interesting that uh, three he he's beginning to become the third left-handed golfer to win the Open after uh, Bob Charles back in '69 and uh, Phil Mickelson won in your field in 2013, and he's exactly the same as Mickelson, Reggie. He plays golf left-handed and he does everything else with his right hand. <laughs> so. Uh, Perhaps those of us that are not half decent at golf at our right hand might try playing with our left. <laughs> I think I could do it. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. Okay, Dennis, um, fantastic as always. That's great. Um, and we'll, I'm really keen to watch how that unfolds and see if those bunkers do get the better of Harmon and watch Rory to see can he. I'm joined in studio by our very own uh, Sean Lane, this morning former Dublin minor and under 21 manager. Good morning, Sean. Good to see you once again. How are you, Declan? How's it going? Ah, sure. It's like Christmas Eve for hurling supporters, isn't it, Sean? Uh, and also joining us on the line, I believe, uh, is uh, Brendan McLaughlin of O'Toole's there on the north side of Dublin, former Dublin netminder and recently a member of Matty Kenny's Backrooms team. Good morning to you, um, Brendan. How are things? Oh, good, Very good. Oh, great. Going, great. How are you doing, Brendan? Great to talk oh, to you good. once again. Plenty more from the two lads uh, in a few minutes looking ahead to the uh, Senior Championship final tomorrow. But first of all, some domestic uh, housekeeping on the Dublin scene. We start by expressing our sympathies to the Gavin family from Clondalkin on the recent passing of Jim Senior, the father of course of former Dublin All-Ireland medalist and five in a row winning manager Jim. His funeral took place from Clondalkin there during the week. So all here at Dublin's Talking Sport extending our sympathies to the Gavin family on the sad loss of Jim Senior. The Dublin footballers reached the All-Ireland final for the first time in three years last Saturday, defeating Monaghan by one uh, seventeen to 13 points in their last four clash. Cormac Costello, who celebrated his birthday during the week, scored seven points, while Dublin's record scorer of all time, Dean Rock from Ballymun Kickhams, added a goal late on to his fine record. Next up, of course, the Kingdom of Kerry tomorrow week from 3.30 in the final. A full preview of that to come, you can be sure, on the programme next Saturday. Well done also to the Capital Ladies footballers and their progression to the semi-final of the TG Cahar All-Ireland Championship. They beat Donegal for the second time this season in the North West, this time 3.12 to 6 points in their quarter-final meeting. Kate Sullivan helping herself to two goals and one in a fantastic win, which sets up a mouth-watering semi-final date with old foes Cork. This day week at Tom Semple's Field in Thurless. Throw in for that one is at 7.30. What a weekend of sport it's going to be for Dublin next weekend. The ladies Saturday and the men's on Sunday. Really looking forward to both. And we will of course look forward to the ladies game next week as well. Congratulations to St Vincent's and Dublin legend Mickey Whelan. Mickey will be honoured with a Lifetime Achievement Award by the GPA next Friday at Croke Park. He was on the Dublin team, Sean might remember this, that won the All-Ireland back in 1963 would you believe and contributed to many uh, great successes in Dublin football and indeed St Vincent's over the years and indeed hurling as well it must be said because he was with um, Pat Gilroy with the Dublin Hurlers for a while so well done Mickey on that most deserved honour 
finally on the local scene. The club hurling uh, championship of course kicked off recently and there was defeat for both finalists uh, from the A championship last year. Kilmacud Croaks, the champions were beaten by Luke and Sarsfields and Athena by St Vincent's while Kula overcame St Bridget's 218 to 21 points last Sunday. Sean Lane as I say our regular hurling analyst is with us here in the studio. Uh, quick thoughts on uh, the action last week Sean as I say the champions and last year's beaten finalists beaten in their first game behind the eight ball already. Yeah, very true. And uh, Croaks were were very short in the night deck, and even you know Ron Ronan Hayes didn't start when he was due to start, and and uh, Dara Purcell I- as well. But uh, Charlie Carter will be delighted to get two points in in the board, and and uh, Luke and then have a huge game at coming. They play Bridges if they win that. As far as my maths is concerned, winning the head to heads, they they'll be already true. So Charlie Carter will have lots of time to to uh, concentrate on a quarter final or semi final. Yeah, plenty of action around the county next week as well. And speaking of Charlie Carter and, of course, where he hails from, the black and amber of Kilkenny. I don't know many All-Ireland medals he has himself, but no doubt he'll be in Crow Park somewhere tomorrow cheering on the Cats in the All-Ireland final against Limerick. We're going to look ahead now comprehensively to that game tomorrow in the company of Sean and, as I say, Brendan McLaughlin, the former Dublin netminder as well. We'll start with you, Sean, if we can, in the studio here this morning. Limerick, the champions of Munster. Back in the All-Ireland final again, going for four in a row. Minus their captain, Declan Hannan, left out of the 26 yesterday through injury, unfortunately, for him. Make the case for a Limerick victory tomorrow, sir. <laughs> uh, well, firstly, I have to say, Declan, I think it's going to be a terribly close game, the same as last year. And I think either side can win this. But I've, I've looked at the odds in the bookies and they have them at two to five. So I, I, I'll side with it. I think Limerick will just about get over the line. Put a case for them. Uh, things they'll have to do, and I think if you make a list of the things that Kilkenny will have to do, Limerick's list is a lot shorter. Uh, I genuinely think they'll have to put the shackles on own Cody. That's the very first thing. Uh, albeit when you do that, you, you want to keep Billy Ryan fairly tight in the other corner. If Limerick can keep the you know the the, the full back line of 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 um, uh, Mike Casey, Dan Morrissey, and Barry Nash, very very good line for Limerick. If they can keep Kilkenny without getting a goal, they'll have a huge chance. The midfield for 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 Limerick, um, Dara O'Donovan and Will O'Donoghue. I, I actually think that they're probably the two best midfielders in the country, and they happen to be on the same team. They're very strong, very very physical, and I probably see them shading it, you know, over Adrian Mullen and, and Connor Fogarty there. So that's another thing. Up front, I, I mean, Kenny will have their own plan, but you know, Aaron Gillan has loads of space in front of him. Kenny will try and cut that down. I've no doubt. But if he's on fire, Tom Morrissey, I think, is very underrated, Declan. I think he's a smashing, smashing player. And also, I think the fact that Keane Lynch got full game time the last day has had two good weeks to prepare for this as well. I think that he could be a key tomorrow. And the duel between Keane Lynch and and uh, Richie Reid from, from Ballyhale, I, I think that that could be the winning and the losing of it from a, from a, a, a Limerick perspective. Well, one thing they'll have to do, of course, is be very disciplined as well within probably 80, 90 yards of the goal, if not more, because of TJ Reid's uh, tremendous free-taking abilities as well, of course. Uh, absolutely, and TJ got, uh, he, he scored 12 points the last day. There was a 65, a line ball and 10 frees, but 
put on my old coach and cap during the week and I got out my compass and I start measuring where he was getting the freeze from and he got three points from over 95 yards. Now, look, the modern game, Declan, as we all know, is if there's a goal threat, you, you give a guy a free rather than taking the chance and the possibility that he'll get three. Um, but uh, I think if Limerick cut down those three frees from 95 or 100 yards, the person in possession isn't going to score. But sure as night follows day, TJ Reid will. Indeed. OK. Now, Brendan McLaughlin. Kilkenny, on the other hand, are playing their first All-Ireland final since 1999 without the great Brian Cody. But, of course, Derek Ling, the current incumbent of the position, has plenty of experience having played under Brian and also being involved in his management teams as well. I asked Sean to make a case for Limerick uh, to, to win the game. Can you make a case for a Kilkenny victory tomorrow afternoon? Declan, you know, you just there's no saying you just don't bet against Kilkenny because they listen, they find a way to win. But for me, it will be like Sean said, it be the two inside lines. Either like like you Lawler for me is probably the best fullback in the country. Um and you don't know whether he's gonna go over onto Aaron Galan or or is Tommy Walsh gonna go after him as well. And then obviously Mikey Butler done this super job on Tony Kelly um, so I think if Kilkenny Kenny's full back line just put the shackles on Aaron Galan and Flanagan I think they have a really good chance um, I know we talked about this battle at midfield um, for me like Keane Lynch Adrian Mullen coming back getting that game time in the semi-final and playing really well I think he's I think he he started the missing link that Kenny need in around that middle toward, um, but obviously you just can't you can't look past Owen Cody up in the forward line like he's just been a revelation. I think he he's going to find it tough to get space with that with that Limerick full back line, but I think whoever comes out on top on the inside will be will will obviously have a really good chance of winning. But then again, put me all goalkeepers hat on. Two of the best goalkeepers probably ever to play the game in Nicky Craig and Owen Murphy. Um, I think Owen's shot stopping ability, we've seen it in the semi final, second to none, but his pokeouts are fantastic. Like he just, he, laser like, he will always find his target. Um, so, but I think he'll have to not go long as much because you don't want to be hitting the ball down on types of. Uh, Dermot Bournes and Kyle Hayes because they were just eat it up all day so his, I think his cookouts are going to have to be on the money tomorrow and if that happens and Kilkenny finds space inside I think they have a really good chance of winning yeah, I hope Nicky Quay doesn't develop any problems, shall we say, during the course of the game tomorrow <laughs> afternoon. As regards the guy at the other end, uh, what, a, what a magnificent save. I mean, an outstanding save against um, was it Clare in, in the All-Ireland semi-final. Now, there doesn't seem to be any footage around the 56, was it? The Art Foley uh, save, was it, from uh, Christy Ring yeah. in, in that All-Ireland final? You probably even remember that one, Sean. <laughs> I know, but you'll get away with, you'll get away with having to go off me about the 63 final and the Mickey Whelan. But and to answer that... I was on my dad's knee that day, but only because he's a Galway man. But uh, no, the Art Foley save, would you believe, when I was younger, I used to go up to the Hurling Grounds playing and he was up there and my dad knew him. But uh, seemingly the save from Christy Ring in 1956 was an absolutely outstanding save and, and Wexford actually went on and won the game that day. Is, so that's yeah. a long time ago. Denied, denied Christy immortality that time, didn't he, as well? <laughs> but back to that's the modern fair. day. Um, Limerick battle-hardened, as we know. They're the All-Ireland champions. They've had a few 
questions asked of them this year and they've been able to come up with the answers fairly well. Does the toughness of their Munster Championship campaign and the quality of the games that they played, does that give them a little bit of an edge perhaps over, over Kilkenny tomorrow or is that, a, is that a factor once the two teams cross the, the white line tomorrow? Well, it's it's a factor, and, and unfortunately, you, you never know the answer to this till you go into the last five or six minutes. If I'm answering it honestly, I think it's an advantage, but only to the stage that you know we get into the last ten minutes. Someone could get tired. There, there's no doubt about that. Uh, Limerick, and you're talking about t- t- tough and, and hardened. This is Limerick's thirteenth final between National League, All Ireland, and Munster finals. So they've played in twelve, and they've won the twelve. Now that's some record, even the Brian Cody era can't put their hand up and say we did that. So that's a phenomenal um, thing. They've won five Munster Championship Declan in a row. Unbelievable, particularly in the new structure. They've won their four All-Irelands, the only time they were beaten. Kilkenny beat them in 2019 and as we know that wasn't a great Kilkenny team because Tipperary beat them comprehensively in the final afterwards. So look at uh, I agree with Brendan, you know, Kilkenny aren't bet till they're actually bet and you'd want to check that the whistle is gone and the final, the time is all up and everything uh, before they're beaten. But, you know, I just think that Limerick will just have the edge and I agree with Brendan when he's saying the two inside lines. If if, if Cody has a really good game for Kilkenny inside and Aaron Galan doesn't, I can see probably Kilkenny turning it over. But if the Limerick forwards kind of throw up a score of 220 or 124, I, I'm not too sure Kilkenny will get to that. Goals win matches, as we know, Brendan. That could be a, a very key ingredient to whoever can uh, come across the line tomorrow afternoon. Um, for me, it would be like obviously you have like I think Kilkenny can score from from any of their forwards can score score goals. Like they they've all proven it. But obviously, Cody, like Billy Ryan, has been outstanding as well. Like and everybody had question marks over him for the last couple of years, but I think he really stood up this year. Um, and then Mossy Mossy Cone, like he, he he scores goals like it's going out of fashion. Like he, he's just so good, and it's just tracking them. And I think Limerick missing Declan Hannan there at centre back, where he just sits back and he protects everything. And Dan Morrissey sort of has the freedom to go and attack the ball, and Declan will be in there to pick everything up. I just don't. I, I can just see Kilkenny opening that up and then when they have lads coming on they've Walter Walsh Richie, uh, Richie Hogan and then you've got like Keane Kenny came on in the in the last day four touches of the ball and Kilkenny got four scores out of it um, so I, I just I just I just think Kilkenny if it's if it's really really close coming down the stretch um, I think Kilkenny like they did against Galway they just don't know when they're beaten and they will find a way so I just think they need to stay. Obviously, they need to stay really close with Limerick for the for for that sixty minutes, and then coming coming down the straight at the end. I just I, I just don't back against Kilkenny. Haven't played against them for years and coached against them. I just I just think they have something there, and they have a point to prove after last year's final because mm-hmm. they didn't play that well, but they were still only beaten by three points. Yeah. So if if they have that. Going down the stretch, if it's close, I think Kenny might just shade it. Sean, we spoke there about Limerick's tough campaign in their Munster Championship with the Leon Robin and the quality of games that they played. Kilkenny, on the other hand, they are Leinster champions again, which is it's an achievement for Derek Ling in, 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 in his first year. But um, they're little breaks, little quirks you know, in games like the Leinster final, the manner of, of the victory. 
over Galway you know psychologically do you start to think well maybe if you can get something a break like that on a day that it might just be, be your year ultimately yeah that's a great question Declan and just push it back further they did lose to Wexford in the Lone Robin they were 8 points up against Galway in the Leinster final and let that slip to go 2 behind but as, as Brendan says they never gave up they kept at it it was all going against them and uh, sometimes you might believe it's your year. But you know what? Uh, and I think this is why Kilkenny are so good, Declan. They, they don't believe in that myth at all. They, they just believe that tough work, work harder. And when you're finished and you're absolutely knackered, keep working harder and harder and harder because the opposition will give up or someone will make a mistake. And that's their mantra. And uh, I, I think we'll see that tomorrow. But I, I just still think, you know, and I know Brendan's made very good points there. I, I just think that, you know, if you go back to the Limerick-Galway game, it wasn't going well for Limerick, but... They were able to change it just like that before half time. They camped everybody back on the the the, the Galway puck out and Dermot Burns and 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 Kyle Hayes. You know they just absolutely took over physically. Now the, the introduction and it will happen tomorrow that Walter Walsh will come in and he could upset that apple tart because he is a huge man. He could break puck outs and if Kilkenny get their own puck out onto the ground and get possession on that, you know it it'll be a very very tight game. One I'm really looking forward to. I think it must be about 10 years now since Walter burst onto the scene. Was it against Galway in an All-Ireland final that he, he yeah. came on? 2015 and, and the no, very... I think he can go back further than that. 12 then, was 12, it? Was 12 or 13 Galway. I think it was, around yeah. about that time. Anyway, lads, um, the split season is very much in focus here now once again. Tomorrow's the 23rd of July and we have the All-Ireland final in Crow Park. Normally you'd be gearing up for All-Ireland semi-finals in the good old days which is not that long ago uh, Brendan your thoughts on an, on an All-Ireland final the 23rd of July I mean this week you've got the Women's World Cup going on you've got the golf going on in, in uh, the Open and all the rest of it and a lot of competition for uh, coverage in papers and indeed on, on, on broadcast as well so where do you stand on this are you happy with the current system Would or what changes would you make to it if any I'm well Declan I'm a traditionalist, traditionalist. So I would like it to go back to the first week of September. Um, I just think everything is is so condensed at the moment. That, and these players are talking to us, they're, they're, it's helping the clubs out in the table. But the amount of boys, the amount of work that they have to do between between like December all the way through to whenever they get knocked out of the championship, they're putting up massive, massive mileage in that, in that short space of time and then they have to go and have their little break afterwards and try and come back and do it with the club so they get, they're not really getting that much of a break um, I know people say oh well the November and, and December but once they especially anybody who's playing in the county Horland as soon as they finish with the club they're nearly straight back in it because the management want to get them ready for, for the league so I I, I I don't know I don't know but I, I I, I still love the whole idea of the first week in September and same with the football on the second weekend of September. I, I just I just like that. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm on the fence with it, but I would like it to go back to the way it was. Yeah. Well, anyone that listens to this program and GA knows I'm a bit of a traditionalist myself. I, I I'd like to. I, I would agree with a lot of what you said. I, I don't know about the September thing. I think maybe move it back a couple of weeks into August to extend it out a little bit more because the pressure on players between All Ireland semi final and, and final. You know, particularly if you've got injuries in 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 the squad as well. Now, Sean, you've been a club manager yeah. in your time as well as an inter county uh, manager at underage level. You would you see it from the other side from a club manager's point of view that at least you've got all your players together when you 
you need them preparing for championship rather than missing them at key times. Yeah, there's a lot in I think Brendan's making a good point. I'd be a traditionalist as well myself, but there's probably a, an argument for maybe playing at the end of August or, or you know, maybe middle of August at the earliest. Uh, the reason, if you take the senior championship the last weekend, now I don't know the total, Declan, but I do know the games I watched every team was missing four or five players that were away. So so maybe that the All Ireland finals are start, the start of the club scene should coincide with the opening of the tour level colleges because anybody that can travel all they have to come back to go to college that maybe it should start then. I think, you know, the last day Croaks were missing so many to it was unreal. Uh you know, I think Lucan will will be caught by it. You know, but it wasn't a game against the full Croaks team and I just think there needs someone needs to take out a pen and say, Well when are all these guys back? Well that's when the club scene should start. Therefore and I would agree with Brendan there should be a little period where there's a break for players that have gone all the way to all Ireland finals and semi finals and Leinster finals. Um but again Let's all put a date in it, but I don't think we have it right. And speaking of tradition, finally, lads, and uh, we appreciate Brendan's time and indeed Sean in studio this morning as well. Uh, no pre or post match banquet in Dublin tomorrow night either. So uh, both teams are making their way back to their respective counties after the game. Only one of them, of course, will have the McCarthy Cup uh, making the trip back home tomorrow evening. And that's uh, just a reflection of the modern society and the way things are pricing hotels and all that kind of thing. Um, so, um, by what you're saying, Brendan, you reckon that the Rose of Moon Coin will be playing in Crow Park tomorrow evening uh, after the game. Uh, fair enough to say? Yeah, well, listen, it's it's hard to back against Limerick because they, uh, for me, they're probably the, the greatest team to play the game. But I just think every 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 team has that little dip, and I just think that Kenny, if they stay within it, with coming down the stretch, I think they'll just sneak it. And Sean is going for Limerick, you're a lady. Absolutely. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, yeah, who knows? One, one of you is going to be right. It'd be interesting to see uh, who uh, is on the WhatsApp first tomorrow congratulating the, the, the person who gets it right. Brendan McLaughlin, pleasure. Thank you very much indeed for joining us on the programme this morning. Really appreciate it. Time for football now. Delighted to be joined on the line by the one and only Alan Cawley. Good morning, Al. How are you? I'm good, Reggie. How are you? Oh, I'm very good. I tell you, I, I sat in, I was in Portugal on Thursday, just got back yesterday, and I sat there uh, watching on my phone, watching the match at, at 11 o'clock Thursday morning, thinking a draw will be a great result for us. We were unlucky, I have to say, but it was a good match. Yeah, great game, Reggie, um, and the girls did really well, acquitted themselves so well in the game. Obviously, all the talk and into the match was that Australia were hot favourites, but what transpired in front of us was anything but. I thought Ireland were well in the game for large spells. Obviously, the penalty was so disappointed because of the soft nature that that it was given away in, in the circumstances. But in fairness, I thought they were absolutely brilliant in how they responded after that. And they really pushed and had a go at a couple of substitutions that came on. Young Abby Larkin was terrific, only 18 years of age. And they had a right go towards the end, but we just couldn't really create that clear-cut chance. It was the header with Louise at the end that I felt she should have done better, Louise Quinn. Yeah. And Katie had one where... It was pulled back to her and she checked back onto her weaker right foot and the, the bodies got round her and crowd around her. She couldn't get a good contact on it. But overall, I think there's huge positives to take from the game and the fact that Canada and Nigeria drew in the other game leaves it wide open still for us. We're very much in a Reggie. 
Absolutely. It, it kind of makes it even a little bit more sickening that they did, uh, didn't did get the draw um, when you saw that draw with Canada and Nigeria because uh, it was so, it, it was it was there. Like, I mean, we, we never really, I know the penalty was unfortunate, but we never really looked under massive threat of giving away a goal um, other than that, you know. So, I mean, the draw was very achievable. So, you'd have to say we don't appear to be out of our depth in any way, shape or form. No, not at all, Reggie. Um, and I was actually quite disappointed with Australia for all the talk going into the game and mm. how good they were supposed to be. You know, obviously, Sam Kerr was missing. That was a huge blow for them. Maybe there was a bit of pressure on them, and I'm sure there was the fact that they were the whole nation as well playing in front of a massive crowd, and there was huge expectation on them. But to be fair to the girls, they just played a normal match. They didn't play the occasion, and I thought they played really well. The game plan, even I know some people are critical that it's a bit defensive, but that's Vera's way. We've covered them for the last three or four years, and that's the way she plays. Obviously, then when you go a goal down, you have to flip it over a bit and you're chasing the game. Um, and I thought they did that quite well also. So, they were right in the game. I thought the least they deserved because, as you say, Courtney Brosnan didn't have a save to make, right? She was yeah. one shot in the first half where I think it was about 25 yards and straight down her throat. She was quite comfortable. She, it wasn't like it was a back-to-the-wall performance and she was having to pull off save after save. We were very, very comfortable defensively. And when we did break out... Um, we looked dangerous the odd moments with just the lack maybe a bit of quality in the final third or the final pass. But overall, I thought, considering it was the first time at a major tournament, the first game against one of the so-called favourites, I thought they were absolutely terrific. What, do, what does Vera Pau do now, Alan? I mean, um, th- that's a shock result, Nigeria, for most people to get that draw against Canada. We've got Canada next. If you try and do a bit of calculations, Australia have their three points. Canada have got one. You, you know, there's a chance that they'd be looking at five points. We could be looking at four points. Did she go for it against Canada or does she kind of play for a draw? What, what's the right way to go about it? No, I don't think it's playing. I think she just won't change the way she plays no matter how the opposition is, Reggie. Yeah. And I think it'll come down to the fact that when we play against Nigeria, that's the one that obviously we'll be looking in the group that we would be hoping we could pick up the three points. It was always going to be difficult against Australia and Canada. Canada are actually ranked higher than Australia, seventh in the world. Yeah. And they won the Olympics there, obviously, a couple of years back as well in 2020. So they're going to be stiff opposition. And they were under no illusions going into the tournament of the opposition that we were going to face, that it was going to be tough. But Vera's approach is is, is the same no matter who we play to a point, Reggie. Um, and that's always been, I suppose, the one criticism people have is that can we be a bit more kind of on the front foot, a bit more attacking. But I don't think that'll change on Wednesday. I think she'll be happy to sit in and try and hit them on the counter-attack, maybe like what we saw, maybe Nick a set piece. Different story if we fall behind and you have to chase the game, but certainly from the off, she won't change uh, her approach on Wednesday. Yeah, what have you made of the competition so far? I mean, USA looking to make uh, a double. Um, still, like, what are your thoughts on the competition in general? Do you feel it's it's going well, or who do you think is starting yeah, got, to stand out? Off to a good start. Uh, mm. USA obviously won... Uh, you had a game you'd expect them to win the 1 3 0 during the night there. I'm watching Zambia against Japan here at the moment, and Japan are four up again. You'd expect that. Uh, I covered Spain yesterday against Costa Rica, one of the most one sided games I've ever seen, Reggie. But Spain looked very, very sharp and very good. And they're for my tip at the start of the tournament. Obviously, they have a couple of X Factor players back in uh, Patelis and Hermoso that they missed at the Euros last year. And they look very, very good. Now, I wouldn't judge them on beating Costa Rica, but they did look good. So it's, very, it's still early days. People are kind of weighing each other up, and I suppose it is important to get off to that good start. Even though we didn't get the result that we wanted, I still felt it was a good performance and plenty to take into the next game. 
And um, I think we're still very much in it. So it's still very early days in tournaments. England are obviously playing a half ten this morning against Haiti. I'm working at one doing the Denmark game. So yeah, busy time, Reggie. But I'm I, I'm really looking forward to the next few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. It, it should be good. Uh, of course, we had FAI Cup action um, uh, last night. Uh, I think Declan, even were you at the Bowls game last night? I was indeed, and met Alan post match as well. Reg, it was a tremendous atmosphere, a quality game of football. You know, the old lady in Dublin Seven has seen so many epic cup games over the years, and they can add last night's to it as well. Jonathan Offalabi's fifth consecutive goal, earning the Gypsies a victory that was uh, celebrated like they'd won the World Cup last night. <laughs> you enjoyed it, Alan? I'm glad he finished off with that line, Declan. He's right to celebrate like the Wonder World Cup. Cause I was with a former Bulls great, Bobby Ryan and Shelburne, Declan Alok. And Bobby says to me, it's weird after winning the World Cup here, wouldn't win the match. <laughs> but it was, it was a good occasion. Huge night, huge night for them uh, in the sense that the, the, the league form has dipped off a lot in recent weeks and they've only won two out of, I think, 12 going into last night. So uh, the Cup was a massive, massive uh, game for them last night and for Shelburne because you felt if, if either lost that it might be season over and that was the case certainly for Bohemians they played like a team who were desperate to win first half they were terrific all over Shells got the goal that they deserved Afalabi who's on a red hot run of form at the moment 5-5 five and five. and Shells pushed in the second half but they never really did enough Reggie and I think Bohemians deserved it overall Yeah and Drogheda got a good win against Sligo as well they'd be happy with that Yeah massive win Kevin Doherty I keep mentioning he's doing great things in the league with, under serious limited resources and again that's a full-time team they've knocked out last night so like Rovers fell a goal behind as well um, and a great result for Drada coming from a goal down to win 2-1 yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, some interesting games uh, coming up as well. But of course, uh, Rovers away to Dundalk. That's um, on, on the, at five o'clock on Sunday. So uh, that's one Rovers will be expecting to take. I'm not so sure. And Oriel, they might be expecting to take, but whether they will or not, I don't know. Cause performance being patchy, Reggie. And obviously, they, they suffered a defeat in Iceland during the week and they've kind of gone out of the Champions League very at the, at the earliest stage on a whimper really so their league form has been very inconsistent very patchy so they'll be under a bit of pressure to get a result tomorrow and Dundalk have been going quite well recently as well so and again I suppose you look, we're looking at the early stages of the FBI Cup it's only the third round the first round of all the Premier teams come in but here's three pre- first division or sorry Premier division teams that'll go out in the first round so it opens it up for, for the other teams and Maybe we might have a surprise winner this year. <laughs> you never know. Pat's away to Longford Town and Derry, of course, at home to Athlone Town. So there are results as well that you'd expect uh, to go the way of the Prem teams. Um, there's interesting stuff. I was just talking to Ken earlier with all the transfer stuff, but there's uh, and Henderson's move. Uh, there's a, a lot of money being thrown around. And any fear that there might be a bit of a live golf situation coming with football? Yeah, because normally you see with these kind of things, I suppose the MLS and places that they go, the, the star yeah. players go towards the tail end of their career. They're signing fellas now who are in their prime, and that would be a worry, Reggie. Um, but I think it's a worry that all sports have to deal with because we've seen, as you mentioned, Liv Golf and uh, a few others as well, that, that, it, that it can be a worry. And it's just sad to see, really, like, who could. It's a tough one because people have say the money that they're offering. And Henderson's a multi millionaire. Like, I'd, yeah. be, I'd be, if it was me. I'd be wanting to stay at the at the top team as long as I can and if it was something then towards the tail end of your career but I wouldn't be leaving too early if I was at a team like Liverpool to be honest with you regardless of the money mm. he has plenty of money it's not like he needs money yeah true um, imagine that situation had developed 20, 25 years ago what would Alan Coyle be worth in the transfer market I wonder 
couple Maybe of Alani suits. It'd be gone though, Alan, wouldn't you? Well, this is the thing, Reggie. It's a moral thing. Yeah. You know, like, but I look. I'm talking like a fellow who, who hasn't the millions in the bank, like Jordan Henderson. But I'd like to think if I had millions in the bank, the last days I'd be thinking of going to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and even even if you look at someone like Kane and the talk of going to the Bundesliga, you'd imagine uh, the Premiership is where he should be finishing up his career. Well, I think what's different for him is, of course, obviously he's still in his prime. But what's different for him is the the record he's won after the record. I'd be amazed if he goes to Bayern Munich. And a lot of the, the talk seems as though it might be happening. But I definitely would think he'd be staying in the league here because he's desperate to break that all-time uh, record. He has no other medals. That might be the only record he'd be left with, Reggie. But uh, I think he'd be staying in England. Yeah, more than likely he will. Okay. Well, look, we look forward to the next game. Uh, hopefully, we can get a result against Canada. It's going to be a tough one for the women. But uh, um, keep up the great coverage. We're enjoying it. And uh, we'll uh, chat to you next week about everything that's going on. Thanks, lads. Thanks a lot, Alan. Thanks for listening to Dublin Stock and Sport on Sunshine 106.8 from myself, Ken, and Reggie. Have a good weekend. <laughs>